Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon again, as we close in on 10 years of podcasting, bringing you rugby every single Monday morning, 52 weeks a year, and this podcast, all about the Six Nations Round 4. Uh, I'm Tim with JB. Hello, Tim. Barefooted for his only fans. Yeah. Fans. Sign up, please. <laughs> and Phil in trail shoes, like he's just run up a fell it's very very wet out there tonight tim it is so i've got to be prepared got your heavy treads on exactly nice uh we're contact edchasers at gmail.com i'll pepper the uh the pod with some emails uh, and you can support us if you appreciate the podcast and the fact we're there for you every single week not just when six nations is on but when there's no rugby on unlike many others <laughs> many other grassroots uh, <laughs> level podcasts that uh, you can go to patreon.com slash eggchasers uh how good is this year's Six Nations? We're getting fed up of saying it. Is it that good? It is. <laughs> I'm not it's sure it's so that good, much is it? fun. It is. Well, uh, fun for who? Well, not not England fans. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that as someone that was at Twickenham and, and sat, oh, through, were you? sat through that. Yeah. You're at, you've done some travelling this Six Nations, Tim. Fair yeah. play. At, at what stage did you take your England fan hat off and just admire you know, the the French the the skill uh, and the power of that French it team? Was 25-3 was that the point I think that was a, an honest a genuinely and, and I remember I think it might be like 2008 something like that I might, may mention this on the podcast before but I, I saw uh, I went to Old Trafford someone at work had a ticket and I went to see Champions League semi-final Manchester United v Barcelona mm. and I remember watching it thinking I feel so privileged to watch Lionel Messi yeah he was just it was like it was, it was ridiculous and I felt the same watching Antoine Dupont like, yeah. that guy is just just, I feel I feel lucky to be alive <laughs> at a time when that man is playing rugby union. He's one of those talents, and it's not just him because he he's unbelievable. He and he did some incredible things yesterday, but he probably wasn't the best player on the pitch. Nope. Ramos was amazing. Pano was amazing. Aldrit, Aldrit, Aldrit was outstanding. He was so good. Olivon was I fabulous. Flamont was yeah. incredible. Uh, Fiku wasn't chat too shabby. Fiku was good. Dante was great. Dante's yeah. really important, isn't he? He is. His work on the important. floor. Yeah, that's was what I was I like Demortier as well. Yeah, yeah. Demortier is nice. Oh, I mean, we could just name the whole French just, team. Basically, if you're wearing a blue shirt, <laughs> you you were very, very good yesterday. Um, mm. Probably Ramos. I, I, I loved Olivon yesterday. I thought he was oh, class. I mean, it's, it's incredibly handsome. If it was a tiebreak for man of the match, give it to him because he's the best looking. Well, and I, I said this before, I'll say it again. He looks like a World Cup winning captain. 
He looks like... You're right. Maybe soon. He's just so chiselled and handsome and athletic and tall. He's got everything that you want. Oh, if, if you were... If you were... What, what corporations are going to be fighting... If Olivon lifts the World Cup, what corporations are going to be fighting f- to have his signature on there? So many companies are going to be saying... Here's an, here's ben and Jerry's? A, here's a blank check. <laughs> no, it's going to be Gillette, isn't it? He'd, Hershey's? He'd do Gillette, but, or, or is he too masculine for Gillette? He's far too masculine for Gillette. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. Some of the recent Gillette adverts, definitely too much. Not okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe they all go for him and he can be the not okay bro. He can like go, he can go approaching women and someone else, no, not okay bro. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be the person saying not okay bro? Galtier. <laughs> no, not Galtier. It'd have to be someone... It'd have to be someone massive... No, no, because what happened? No, isn't it a black guy? He says that tells the predatory white guy in the Gillette advert, "Not okay, bro." Ugo, <laughs> Ugo would be so good for that. Not okay, bro. <laughs> did you see? Actually, um, I mentioned Galtier. Man, that guy looks cool. Uh, but did you see his friend? I, I, I didn't understand what was being said, but I just saw a clip of him on the French TV uh, interview and uh, just crying. Really, he was really emotional after the game. So I've not seen that. I'm assuming it was just from pride and that it was they've built up to this. There was a lot of talk uh, I was hearing, I don't know if you heard the same thing, that, that France had this game targeted as a really important moment for this squad. Because it's been a long time. It's been a lot, 2005 since they last won. Yes. Yep. At Twickenham. At Twickenham. Yeah. Well, I guess it's more important because the measure of a good team is not necessarily winning every week. It is, but not necessarily. It's how you react to a loss. And that was a superb way to, to react. Mm. Mm. Yes, it was a. It was an absolute beatdown. Because people were starting to question, weren't they? Are they that good? Are they a bit well, flat? They struggled a bit against who? Ireland two games ago. Italy, who, who they gave them. them a scare. Yeah, Italy yeah. gave them a scare. Ireland two games ago beat them, and, and Scotland could the, have. Yeah, and in, in the Ireland game in the second half, France barely fired a shot. Yeah, in the first half it was end to end stuff, but Ireland really controlled the game second half, and Scotland. Had they have not had that bonkers first, however many minutes, fifteen minutes, mm. Scotland could have won that as well. So France have been a mixed bag so far this tournament, but that that was quite an emphatic statement. Yeah, to... and, and players that have been had little question marks next to them. Cyril Bay was immense. Mm. Uh, Aldrit was just world class again. Olivon yep. at the same. So and, and these are guys that maybe haven't been operating at the level that they have. So yeah, it was a, a, a huge statement from France. Now, it was made... I can't help but think it's right to credit France. That is the right way round to do it. Yeah, definitely right. We've done this the right way. But England were so poor. I really can't remember a time when they were this poor. Even, like, Eddie Jones collapsing in the autumn last year. Downfall 2018. Yeah. I can't remember them basically giving up in the way that they did. And a few stats back that up. That was the third heaviest defeat ever. For an England team, the only two that were greater were the tour from hell. Yeah, when the, all those youngsters went down to Australia, um, those are the two heavier, the, the heaviest defeat at Twickenham. And four years ago, England beat France forty-four eight. <laughs> wow! So that was in the run-up to, to the last to, World to Cup. The last World Cup, yeah. So, are there any winners from this England performance? In terms of players, yeah, or, well, well, anything. Um, what are the Eddie, Eddie Jones will be laughing. Eddie Jones is a winner, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the people who, well, 
Uh, does Owen Farrell win from this? So Not all the talk, really. I don't think he does. But all, all sort of leading up, uh, George Ford does he win? Maybe, but he played for Sale, who got hammered by London Irish today. Zach so. Mercer, Zach Mercer, Zach Mercer yeah. maybe. Um, I mean, may- maybe pl- back rows that weren't playing. Yeah, any back, back row that wasn't wasn't playing. I mean, yeah. yeah. So hear me out here. Um, do you think this? This is me trying to put a good spin on it for you boys because I don't really care. <laughs> but do you think you're seeing shades of the early Leicester project, which is? Let's see who is good. Let's see who is bad. So this is such a pivotal game, but ultimately it doesn't mean anything, does it? Because the World Cup's around the corner and the World Cup has driven everybody insane. So that's why Borthwick's even in the job mm-hmm. at the moment. That's why Gatlin's in a job at the moment. That's why, yeah. you know, all of all of these... Uh, well, Eddie Jones has got a job, right? Yeah, a the, different job to the yeah. one he had The World Cup ago. drives unions insane because it's yeah. the biggest uh, prize in rugby. So with that... Although this is a huge result for those who paid the money to go and watch the game, it's not really that big. You know, if they win the World Cup, no, no one will care. Yeah, yeah. So do you think there's now element of, okay, massive game. For all of those wanting Marcus Smith, for all of those wanting Don Brandt, here you go. And if he's good enough, awesome. If he's not, we'll never see them he again. Didn't really make any changes, Marcus Smith aside. He didn't make any changes. Yeah, because so I don't. Brandt. So I don't see that. Mm-hmm. Well, I do it with Marcus. I, I can get that logic with Marcus Smith. I don't really with Dombrant because he was the man wearing the shirt. Mm-hmm. He was actually, as we've we've said recently, he was actually starting to play well. The game two weeks against, ago against Wales, he looked. He actually looked pretty good. In this game, he looked. I mean, the whole. It's, it's, he's not alone. Is there any player in this England performance who comes out with any real credit? Uh, actually, I thought Genge did all right. I think Sinclair was awful. But actually, the scrimmage went. Okay. Yeah, scrum, scrum, scrum was good. Scrum was, scrum was good. Yep. Line out and more were good. Yeah. That's it. Set piece was good. It's That's it. That's where it ends. What does that remind it you is, of? It is. And even in the... Because even those players you've mentioned, it's like Genj, scrummage well, always works incredibly hard. There were times where he was taking backward steps just because of the sheer ferocity of the French carry-in yeah. that allowed them then to get the offload game going, which allowed them more ferocious carry-in, which allowed them space out wide, which made England look awful. Yeah. And one thing about Genge as well is he is a, a superb player. We know this. But he's not massive. You know, so when you're lining up against your opposite man, the scrimmaging was fine. You can get away with being a smaller prop in the, scrim- in, mm. in the scrimmages. But like the carrying. I mean, those French lads just need to fall into someone and they make... Yards, England didn't really have that kind of advantage, if any. Yeah, yeah. they they, they uh, had a huge disadvantage. And in I think that, I think before we get into the field. specifics of the game, which absolutely we should, I I just think we we should just like bird's eye view it for a second. And the conclusion I came to as I was sat watching that and reflecting on it was, and this is something we've been saying, we love the Premiership. It's very it's very competitive. It is so far from being quote the best league in the world now. It mm. it it clouds our judgment of how good England should be. The Premiership is brilliantly entertaining. Yes, it is. Very competitive, but the standard has dropped immeasurably over the last few years, and that is what we're seeing when you when you take really good Premiership players and chuck them against a, a world-class team. Well, yeah. They get monsters. And let's, just, yeah, let's just go back a second here, because we're saying really good Premiership players. Well, the idea was the Premiership would keep some of the really good Premiership players, and actually it would pepper the world-class England international stars throughout the squads as they would be paid effectively by England. That was the idea. 
I think what's actually happened is it's gutted the premiership and then it's reduced the standard of these stars. And then the standard of the stars... Sorry. Right, the remaining stars, the premiership just doesn't see. Uh, it's a real problem because when you start taking away the bits and pieces in the premiership, and I'm not against it, actually. I, I do think the premiership is a wonderfully uh, entertaining league. And if you have that entertaining entertainment and coaching with the French players, you know, great, ab- absolutely great. But just the size of the French league has this sort of steel sharpens uh, steel quality. And it's a problem because when was the last time that any of the England boys faced a team as big as, Fr- as big as France? They do a little bit in Europe, but they're not ready for it. Yeah, yeah. You see, like, one of the most physical teams, Sale, um, with a load of South Africans um, yeah. buffering their pack when they went away to La Rochelle last and year. Toulouse. And Toulouse. Toulouse this year, yeah. The, the La Rochelle one was, because that was quarterfinal. Yeah, th- no, that wasn't, that, they didn't get beaten up physically. Mate. <laughs> I know, I, I remember well, no, distinctly, they got beaten up emotionally. Well, as, no, no, as well get, as as well as getting beaten up emotionally, they were put in a bin physically. I don't think they were, mate. I, 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 I'm sure that I heard the interview, and actually, they didn't lose the emotional battle. They weren't emotionally right themselves. So, but, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I, the problems that are are vast. Like we could talk about individual players, but no individual player, or even no handful of players, even even a completely different fifteen, nothing changes when, when France turn up like that. England. Yeah. So this is the conclusion. Uh, you're right to talk about, and you, as you regularly talk about, about, how can England be this bad with this pool of players? You're correct in that they have a massive pool of players, but the ceiling of those players is nowhere near where you imagine it is. It's England's players are average, bang average. It's now, hard. I, yeah. How? Because I, I I came away with that same thought. And then I, I question myself today to say, is that right? Because that's, that's, that is what I conclude after this game. Or is it the fact that they are just... Mm. There's a combination of things. Yeah. But that you've got world-class players, or formerly world-class players, not playing in the right system, playing in, in weaker teams week in, week out. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. And you are not getting the best. Now, I, I think it's probably a bit of both. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll just briefly contradict myself as well because I was watching Scotland today thinking if Luke Dempsey was in a premiership team, he would get overlooked as being not good enough mm. and he looks great at international level. So I actually am contradicting myself at the same time. I don't know. This is how confused yeah. I am by the whole situation. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. Now, the, the bit that... Borthwick has spoken a lot about this and... I think Borthwick is brilliant, regardless of what happened yesterday. Um, he said, as you would always do, England are three games into a journey. This was their fourth game. They say journey. They say journey. He did say he journey. He did that a lot at Leicester. He did say we're journey. We're on a journey. Um, France are four years into a journey. This this started with Galtier coming in after 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are comparing teams at different stages of their journeys. But to me... Destination is the same. Well, the destination is the same. But also that three years, three games for international, what should be international caliber players, that should be the like uh, the difference between say a ten and twelve point loss. Like if you hold that far, if you got both got international caliber players, three games into a journey compared to three years into a journey, yeah. that should not be a forty three point. Ham- hammering, absolute hammering. Like, it was men against boys yeah, at times. It was, and I, what, what that's what was so mind blowing is watching watching Jack Willis just getting ragdolled. Yeah, at yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, but this is Jack Willis. He's but, great. Like Jack Willis is also 
you know, moving played, mountains in in France. Yeah, in playing Toulouse. Toulouse, playing brilliantly in Toulouse. Yeah, and Louis Ludlum. Oh yeah, he's really physical, abrasive, like monstered. Yeah, it's it's it was mad. It, so I suppose uh, well, it has happened in the past. Like the game when France beat England, not for the Grand Slam, but we were in Madrid. And France were terrible, and they just on super handled them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can super happen on occasions. You know, you yeah. can just be a little bit off. So, is there any England player that you would put into a France or an Ireland fifteen? A France or uh, no, um, no. I don't think there is. is uh, there? Uh, Tom Curry. Tom Curry gets in probably over more. who? Um, Maybe it's six for France over because you got Cro with Gelon. Although Cro was wicked, he was good. He speeds up their ball so Tom, much. Uh, Tom Curry is uh, he'd be in contention for anything. Maybe a Toji in the back row for France. No, no. he looks it's, like he'd fit in there. This is yeah. one of the things. It's, I think when was, the, when was the last world class game from Mario Toji? He's he's come out and said in the Times this week in an interview that he's been carrying a a, a vague nondescript well he he didn't just say what it was I'm not saying he said it was vague uh, he's been carrying a, a <laughs> yeah. had a long term illness which has been affecting his performance mm. but uh, he has moments but you just see him like what? where are you Marrow? yeah he was not particularly noticeable no in terms of the way that this went there's two frustrating things watching England one so I spoke of in this Six Nations about where Ireland won the game against France, which mm. was in the second half, where they, they had Ross Byrne playing and yeah. they just kicked corners. Yep. And they kicked very intelligently. They found grass. They forced the big French pack to turn and they forced them to play out, which 19 times out of 20 works well. One times in 20, they score a worldly try, but it worked in that scenario. England seemed to do the opposite. In the first half, they ran everything yeah and this was i think it was a misread on two counts one it was a misread of that kicking strategy that i think england i think other teams can kick better than france um when you put pressure on them but also it seemed to be that they wanted to get to move that french team around as if england were fitter than that french team and i think that is now it's an historic lazy trope that was used for the french teams of old it is no longer applicable that yeah. French team are phenomenally well conditioned. They are big. They've got enormous replacements, but they are fit and they can keep going. It is on both of those counts. It was the wrong tactic, and it paid big time for it. Well, there's wrong tactic, and the other area of criticism I think that England deserve is and it's hard to yeah, it's hard to sort of quantify this because I think Carlequins, uh, Marcus Smith basically carries the show on. Um, on his shoulders and if he doesn't maybe maybe his supporting playmaker is Danny Kerr rather than w one of the other backs because there's not a playmaker in Harlequins outside of outside of um, Smith Esther Hazen can play a bit but he's not it's no. not it's not yeah, like you are right yeah, it's Danny not Kerr like and Marcus Danny Smith second yeah. true playmaker so you've got Marcus Smith trying to run the show and I guess his help would be Henry Slade Henry Slade doesn't seem to do it at the moment I, I don't know why I love Henry Slade I think he's got all the tools to be a world-class player. He's just not really kicked on that next game. And I'm waiting for it. And I think I still play him. But He's had know, a quiet tournament, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, you think maybe a Farrell and Daly combo from fullback would give you a little bit more zip, a little bit more mm. attacking threat. But of course, with Daly being out... Daly at 13 is looking like a shout. I thought Daly at, th uh, Daly at 15. Let him dip in and out of the game. As or Lawrence, Lawrence moved to 13. Yeah, well, I said on last week's pod, I think the decision that Steve Borthwick will be making is not 
uh, Smith or Farrell, it'll be Farrell or Slade. Mm. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that because just Slade, what's he doing at the moment? It's yeah, not much, is it? Not a lot. The, the other side of it was the England defence and just how much they were manhandled. And they, they've kind of been... So they've been playing under um, Sinfield. They've been playing more of a a soft defence, more of a drift defence, um, except a couple of times against Scotland where it badly went wrong where someone mm. jumped out the line. But generally they've been softer, which has it has the negative effect of you're a bit more passive in tackles, so um, teams can get a bit more go forward. Um, but it should have the positive effect of well, ultimately there's less gaps in in your field because you are kind of conceding yards to prevent those gaps. In this game, it had both of those weaknesses at the yeah, same time. so right. Conceding, conceding yards was so incredibly right. passive, which allowed offloads, and just enormous gaps everywhere. Enormous gaps when you shouldn't get it in with, with that style of defence. So uh, just, just on the specific fly-half thing, all I want to say on this matter is... Um, the, the criticism Owen Farrell has been getting, and this is just be me, be only I'm, I won't labour it because I've said this, the criticism that Owen Farrell has got from many people, particularly online England fans, is ridiculous and totally unjustified. The man is one of the greatest players ever to have pulled on, pulled on an England Is jersey. he great enough to play for France or Ireland? No, not currently. No, 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 not, not right now. Not, not currently. But he is, uh, he is absolutely exceptional and... Um, Marcus Smith is a great option George Ford's a great option they're all great options whoever wears that 10 shirt does not make a jot of difference can we just oh, stop no. having this argument it does make a difference now. I well, no, couldn't in, disagree so in, more in this game this game in it doesn't this matter game, if it's doesn't matter. Marcus Smith George Ford Owen Farrell or the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> like the, England are getting hammered in this game regardless who's wearing uh, you that know, 10 I, shirt I can't agree with that you know boys I can't agree with that so you know, they might have lost but a world class fly half who can make something out of nothing I mean we're looking they're getting to the stage now where they're so important, they're like, almost like NFL quarterbacks. So if you get someone who can, you know, you don't need your big runners to run over people going straight. You need you, you can do it using a bit of deception. You can do it by making the opposition pull numbers into their backfield because you're kicking so well and your awareness of, awareness of, of spaces is, is so good. Like There's loads of ways to skin, skin a cat. And I actually think the reason that England are in this problem now is because they have no one who is that exceptional world-class talent who is the next level above. There's no Finn Russell there. There's no Geordie Barrett. Geordie Barrett. The other Barrett. Well, Bowden Barrett. You know, there's none of these guys. Well, I think there could be. Uh, uh, we, we, there's a little WhatsApp chat where you said you need to be have someone unconventional and unpredictable and can yeah, yeah. pull a rabbit out of a hat. Well, if you want that, Marcus Smith is the closest we've got to that. But my response to that was, have a look at the tens that have won World Cups. They're fairly conventional tens. Well, they are. That's they the are thing, very isn't much it? so. And, and, you, and, 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 yeah. I... I I look back actually because I thought Mornay Steen won the World Cup for South Africa in 2007. In 2007? Do you know who the starting fly half was? Butch James. Correct. Now he is unconventional. Uh, he's, he's unconventional, but not in the Finn Russell or Marcus Smith way. <laughs> no, but he's definitely unconventional. <laughs> Crash ball 10. Yes. Love it. In a uh, Kelly Heimawina style oh, way. Oh yeah, I missed him out of my Hang list. Hang on. Yeah. What's Kelly Heimawina doing? Uh, so, uh, actually, I thought. For what it's worth, I thought when Farrell came on, and he also came on at the same time as Mitchell, there was a little bit more shape that actually seemed to threaten France. And all Farrell did was something very simple, straightened up the line, had a few different options, mm. picked the right one, Ollie Lawrence on the short pop, who made some yards, next phase, Stewart goes in. Yeah, It was fairly simple, whereas there was the goose steps 
and the trying to go on your own and getting absolutely marmalised didn't work. I thought Smith did some nice things. And again, I'm, I'm not making this Smith or Farrell. I, I'm just trying to say the, the all the chat about, oh, who should be 10? Oh, you should be... Mar-. It's like... It's, I mean, just think about it's the wizardry of... England have got far more, far more, far bigger issues. Yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, that French pack is exceptional. Okay, they're, they're huge. They're, they're, mm-hmm. um, the brilliance and so forth. But the wizardry of Anton Dupont does make things so much easier. He's amazing. Like it, yeah. it, it just makes those makes those twenty stone guys play like twenty five stone guys. <laughs> and that's all I can say because he's always creating space. So if you've got your eyes on Dupont, you know what about all of the rest of it? And I think right. that's what but the point trying to make with fly half. Yeah, it was simple things done really well. Like the first try for Ramos was Charles Olivon running just, r- running hard going north and getting the offload off. That yeah, was it. Yeah, that Olivon was it. and Flamont. Olivon and Flamont. Yeah. Offload, offload, was try. Olivon scored. Uh, no, it no, was Ra- it was Ramos. Ramos scored. It was no, Ol- Olivon made the break. Uh, simple offload to Flamont. I say simple. It was hard, but draw, draws but a couple basic. of players. Draw, so, draw, draw a couple of players. Contact offload. Fl- Flamont to Demortier. Demortier to Ramos. Try. Well, no, what was on where the back row scored? Olivon. That was the that was I the love back that of the try. scrum. Back of the scrum. Where yeah. the commentator, I can't remember which one it was, said, "Oh, this looks steady here," and then England started scrum started folded in. Aldrit picks up. Runs draws o- a couple of players. Runs over Marcus Smith. Yeah, pass inside, yeah. and oh no, it was because no, it, it was Olive on Olive run, over. run over. And in fairness, Olive on yeah, I know eighteen stone traveling full speed. It doesn't really matter who's on the try line there. He's scoring that regardless. Yeah. Uh, look, quick email here from Nick Pierce. Um, uh, Nick, thank you very much. Contact TedChasers at gmail.com. The Premiership is not producing test-quality players and the result is England's record over the last 18 months. It may be high-scoring and fun to watch, but objectively not providing England the England coach with 30 or so players able to compete with the best in the world. For a few years now, English club rugby fans have assumed the Premiership ability will translate to the test arena. Mm. This is demonstrably not the case. This, there could be no better example than the seven days Marcus Smith just had. On the first Saturday, he ran right at Twickenham, picking off a desperately poor Exeter and looking a million dollars. Two days of newspaper columns saying Smith had sent a message to Borthwick was all it took. The Quinns, uh, the Quinn regained his starting berth, even though Farrell, Lawrence Slade had been making steady progress in the previous two games. Fast forward a few days and the same player on the same pitch looked far from a million dollars and more like a promising but scratchy academy player. This, to me, was the latest piece of a clear evidence that there is a huge difference now between looking good in the Gallagher Premiership and competing at test level. And he, he points out Smith is by no means the only player that this accounts for. Um, yeah. I, it's hard to disagree with that. It's hard to disagree. Yeah, yeah. The, the stark contrast between Mark Smith at Twickenham absolutely lighting up the show and looking incredible to this game, <laughs> to being on the end of a hiding... Yeah, yeah. well... I mean, one of the things I was really worried about is I don't really see where England makes some changes. I don't think... No, not really. I mean, Maul is very good, but no. Um, not I mean, the Tighthead is a disaster area. Yeah, Tighthead is not good. disaster area. We've, we flagged this for some yeah. time. The, the, the front row coming off the bench. 65 minutes. Right, we need something here. Dan Cole. Mako, Dan Cole, Jack Walker, on you go. Yeah, it's just yeah. not good enough, is it? It's just not frightening in any way. Then there's the second row... I mean, I love Chesham, but he's a young man, and he's, he's a, a very young man. Very hard position, very very hard position. Especially against those absolute monsters. Yeah. So uh, you know, the back row is good. I think the back give the back row time, it, it'll be fine. I think England are covered there, and then the backs just don't seem to. You know, what is the answer for the backs? 
I don't know. It's, e- it's easy to point at Jay, uh, Jack Van Portfleet, who had, a, I think, he was the poorest of the England players. He's fine, though, I think. I, I think. I, I'm, I'm the same. I think he had a terrible game, but I think he will be fine. It's hard to throw him under this, a bus after that. But that that's this is a problem of Eddie Jones's creation. Oh, 100%. Because he's. We've had years. So, same with Hooker. Like, yeah, Luke yeah. Cowan Dickey is out, and, oh, and, and Jack Singleton, oh, what do we do? Yeah, yeah. All, yeah, totally been agree. Years to blood another scrum half. Scrum although half, although Ireland proved maybe we just got, we don't need hookers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> take the island island approach. I did like that island <laughs> approach, which we'll come on to later. Yeah, um, yeah the England scrum half: Van Portfleet, Rafi Quirk, Quack, uh, Harry Randall's looked great in the last Harry two Randall's weeks. Harry Randall's looks ace. Mitchell's, Mitchell's brilliant player. Yeah, I like Br- but I like Mitchell. Between them, you've got about. A dozen or so, less than twenty England caps, something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And, and start and in in time, even less, as a consequence of Eddie Jones just continuing with Ben Youngs. Two lads I was, I was watching today who I think have England potential, and I know you'll laugh at me because nobody likes him. But I love him, and he has played for England. Guy Guy, Guy Porter was back. Mm-hmm. He gives you a real focal point, and the other one I thought carried really well was Seb Atkinson. Mm. Seb Atkinson, I, I like that boy a lot. When's Dan so, Kelly back? Great question, don't know. Yeah. So, see, I, I like those two. But you, you're in a position now, you're in the, you've got the Van Portfleet conundrum, which is great player, handful of test caps. Whoever comes in is going to have, uh, what, maximum three or four games before they're actually starting in a World Cup. Yeah. I, it, it's it's kind of too well, late. Well, this is kind of why you've got to... This is why you've got to find out now. Yeah, why yeah. it's all right to play Don Brown? Why it's all right to play Smith? Why yeah, it's all right to play all these lads? Find out now. Yeah, yeah. well, and you've got to. You've got to find out. They're soon going to work it. Uh, they're soon going to work out uh, who is good, who is bad. Uh, all right. or who's, oh, no, they're all good. If I can throw some like positives, um, I thought I was really pleased that Ben Curry <laughs> came on and did something, that made, yep. made an impact. He, he actually yep. was the only person that seemed to uh, compete at the breakdown effectively. Very, uh, Bearing uh, in mind how poor his, uh, his first game back was. I'll give you a great positive. Um, puts Bill Sweeney under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not a single thing that that man has got right since he had the job, actually. JB 2024. Well, I'm just saying, there's not a single thing that that man has got, uh, man has got right and been supported by council pretty much at every single turn. And all of this is to boost England. And they looked woeful. Mm. And he's made all the wrong decisions. I mean... Both because the right decision at the wrong time, which, mean, yeah, which yeah. makes it, guess what? The wrong, the decision. wrong decision. The wrong decision. Well, it might be, I, I'm now, so at half time in that game, I said, this is over. They've just scored the amazing Olivon try with Aldry off the back. I was like, England, not only are England going to get nowhere near getting anything out of this game, I don't, they're going to get nothing out of the World Cup. So I'm, I'm kind of, I watched the second half of this game, totally sanguine. Normally I, I would get, yep. I'm a, Proper England fan, I will get annoyed when they lose. I was totally relaxed and calm, like a, a Buddhist monk watching the second half. And I, I almost now feel like the same way about the World Cup. Like it's, I actually, it's, I actually know should, exactly what you mean. Just enjoy the great rugby teams that are there. It was like it was like watching Scotland Ireland today. I was just yeah, yeah. enjoying watching rugby. What, and what a spectacle that was! That was fantastic for for unusual reasons, yeah. which we will go, go on to. But yeah, I'm, and I think to your point earlier, JB. I think Borthwick has to do a bit of what he did with Leicester. The World Cup is too soon. Like, I, yeah, really, I really don't think he can do what... He either tries to get continuity and blow, like, blows the World Cup and uh, doesn't learn 
as much as he should do for future, or he totally blows the World Cup um, and he learns as much as he possibly can, testing everyone to destruction so that he can have a proper World Cup cycle going Let's forward. just go back to the appointment of Steve Borthwick a second. Okay. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've got a small insight, I guess, into how other directors of rugby have been recruited. Mm-hmm. And, and this is within the Premiership. And the amount of work that goes into recruiting Premiership director of rugby now is so massive because you can't change a squad. Mm-hmm. So because you can't change a squad, you need to know the guy coming in likes your squad, he knows about it, the style of play that he has decided upon is, is going to match, he's going to bring in the right backroom staff, and I guess that process to eventually becoming a winning team, you need to understand it before you appoint that guy, because otherwise you're going to have a square peg in a round hole. And I wonder how much of that the RFU did. Mm-hmm. I wonder who the qualified people are to do it. Baldrick might be the right man for after the World Cup. Eddie, I'm certain he was. Yeah. Eddie is not the right man for the World Cup. So maybe the solution there... I mean, would it would Rob Baxter do a better job with six games to go with his style of play and le- lend him off for Exeter? Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, because Baldrick's got a process and we know it. So when they interviewed him, what did they say? Where was the questioning? Like, okay, so we, see, we saw what you did with Leicester. You had to break a lot of careers before you got successful but when you did you did it in a certain way and that does look like international rugby that's how Leicester play but we've got how many games to World Cup six games mm-hmm. so, so, so like we've got uh, six uh, games yeah four right four now games. three warm up oh is it four warm ups three, three or four warm ups yeah, and one an, an island away you need yeah. a short term coach yeah, yeah. with the experience um, almost like a Michael Chaka type who instantly gets an Im- instantly makes an impact uh, I actually think that Baxter would be, you know, just second Baxter. They've seconded Evans, so it can be done. Mark McCall. Mm. Mark McCall. Anybody. Yeah. yeah anybody. Yeah. Just like, but they've gone for Borthwick. So the danger they've got now, and because they're horribly... Well, they, they did offer Warren Gatland. Did they? short term That would yeah. be a good one. That would be a great one. They did offer it, but he took, more, he, he took the cash at Wales. Well, mm. can't blame... Well, you know, offering more yeah, cash, yeah. If, you, if you're serious. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've spent enough on Borthwick. But the danger they've got now is, they've spent what? How many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, on on, on Borthwick? Mm. Oh, yeah, it, it is into the millions because of paying out Eddie Jones and then paying compensation to Leicester Tigers for Borthwick and Sinfield. Now, I, I, I know you boys are fully aware, but the game is awash with cash at the moment. Like, <laughs> you know, there's so much cash. So, you know, spaffing a few million here, here yeah, and there yeah, yeah. Mean, you know, means, mean, means nothing. But it does, doesn't it? It means something really significant. So dangerous. You've got the right guy. He brings the World Cup. He underperforms because of your incompetence. And all and of then, a sudden, the press are calling yeah. for him to get fired. And because you're weak, and because you're weak, you'll instantly get get rid of that guy and then replace him with the, with another wrong guy. And yeah, therefore, yeah. the cycle continues. Just just out of interest, so I completely completely agree with that. Um, I just I couldn't remember the name of Dan McKellen. So yes. I, I just Googled... Dan McKellen. What is Dan McKellen's name? <laughs> Dan McK- can someone please tell me? Google, can you please tell me Dan McKellen's name? Uh, no, I Googled Leicester Tigers, director of rugby. Do you know what the first result is? Dean Richards. From LeicesterTigers.com. When you Google Leicester Tigers, director of rugby, top result from their own website is... Jordan Murphy, open brackets, director of rugby, Leicester Tigers. No. <laughs> so this is a many years old article that is still the number one, and still still exists. Oh, there you go. That's that's the official Leicester Tigers play, page. For wow. That, for their director of rugby, 
Jordan Murphy. <laughs> Maybe last time need to update that somewhat. Uh, do you know what? We, we can come back and when we look ahead to next week, we can come back and talk about what changes we might make towards the end. But just, I, I just, I thought, I think this might be a good springboard into the other podcast. Just a bookend England. Unless there's anything specific you want to talk about. No, no, no. I want to cast it um, out of my mind forever. Uh, and this will sort of uh, bookend it and also be a springboard into what we could talk about on the uh, domestic podcast. Uh, this is from Matt Clifford, contactedchasers at gmail.com. I, I had someone ask me, what's the blah, blah, blah bit at the start of emails about? Uh, <laughs> no, no, so, they came up with it. So if you were, no, 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 <laughs> it, it, was, it was an organic thing which happened because I refused to say things, to read out bits of emails that say things like, love the podcast, blah, blah, blah. So, so I just go, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then people started emailing with, uh, hi, guys, blah, well, etc. It's because the, the praise on all of the start of our emails was so, so effusive. Vast, we yeah. were taking up like, hours, yeah. hours and hours of recording yeah, time quite, with it. Quite. So we had to streamline it. But um, I, I like that I've st- we've started, well, the reason I mentioned this is we've started getting a slight amendment to the, uh, the, uh, the, the organic first line of an email is starting to change. And you will like this one, JB. Uh, Matt Clifford says, Hi guys, great, bo- great pod, I agree with JB, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. Thank you, bad time. Um, <laughs> he says, uh, what are your thoughts on the... Uh, we won't discuss this now, but we'll just put, put a pin in it. It's just an interesting thought-provoking point. Uh, what are your thoughts on the causation versus correlation of the Saracens salary scandal to where England and English rugby is now? I remember thinking at the time, English rugby was benefiting massively from the conveyor belt of talent coming out of North London and that the excessive levels of punishment would have only one very negative effect on the national team. And three and a half years later, here we are. I'm not doubting or downplaying either... The other factors at play, uh, the other factors that play that has led to the national team to be this pathetic on the field, but also can't help think English rugby deserves the situation that it has caused for itself. I feel sorry for Steve Borthwick. He's clearly a great coach and a great leader. Mm. Interesting point. It is an interesting one, and there's two sides to it as well. Actually, there's there's exactly that point about the conveyor belt of talent. There is also every team, so all the players playing in England, almost have a uh, an international rugby style game twice a season, because the Saracens team, when they were under the um, when they were cheating, was so strong and so deep that even their second string um, with players like Scout Brits and Jack Berger and, all, point. and um, Scout Berger coming in for a period of time and Vincent Cock and John Schmidt all those years ago, and you just you almost got battle-hardened by playing the best team and everyone wanted to beat Saracens because they were the best team. And that's, it's one of my, it's one of my points. It's not, it's not my idea. It's from um, Soconomics around the, that leagues can actually be stronger without a salary cap as a consequence of you want the, you want to be the kingmaker. You want the, the shot of the king. Um, now there's it's trade-offs, but, but, but maybe, you have to get more creative in ways to beat teams which may be bigger, stronger, bigger, stronger, more talented, yeah. whatever. Or, or they they're spending twice the salary cap. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't beat them. It means you have to be more creative in t- in order to beat them. <laughs> but it's an interesting. It, point, it was obviously definitely not a design of the old system because the old the old Saracen's cheating not the old system yeah. they were cheating like categorically it's just there might have been some benefits to some yeah, unexpected one of, unperceived one of the, benefits some of the benefits are young uh, Owen Farrell Mako Vinopola Maru Itoji Jamie George etc the list goes on were playing deep into the Champions Cup against very very good teams as well and and they got the 
cohesiveness that yeah. like Leinster. Look, Leinster look at the Toulouse contribution to that mm. um France team in pivotal positions. Uh yeah. There's something in it. So what we're I'm not, so sh- I'm not what, sure I would yeah. condone it right what, now. Yeah, but what we're I saying is cheat uh, well I bring back cheating. Bring, uh, bring back cheating or just push up the salary cap to a level that is not ludicrous. Push it back up to the seven, eight million pound level, which means that some teams can spend it. Steve Lansdowne can spend his money. Yeah, if that's, Bruce, um, if that's how Bruce Craig wants to spend his money, that's yeah. Fine. But other teams don't have to, and the, yeah. they, you can still you can so, still win. Soconomics is like a sports bible, isn't it? And it makes so many good points. And if you take it li- literally. Um, you would look at a lot of things that rugby does and goes, yeah, that's just not, just not, not good. And you'd also look at it, and it's contrary to a lot of things that we even say. So one of the big things that Soconomics says is invest in your stadiums. And to be fair to the RFU, they have actually said, well, you can't come up unless you've got a reasonably sized stadium. Um, so it, I don't think it's always like a, a necessary road to success. And the other thing is as well. Do we want it where some clubs are going to be like Newcastle and don't spend to the new salary cap, whereas other clubs are going to be spending through the roof? I mean, I'm not mm. sure that's going to be that's going to be a a great situation for, for anyone. Say, like competitive now because the salary cap. Well, they were spending up to the old salary cap. But yeah, when they had Lude and Faf and others. Yeah, I mean, we've had two clubs go out of existence. I, I am a strong proponent of the salary cap staying at a level where everyone can, everyone can afford it, and if you can't afford it. You should make a declaration. Then you have. Then you have to leave. There shouldn't be a maximum spend so much. There should be a minimum spend. You have to spend a minimum amount. They do that in the MLR. They do, mm. and they do it in the NFL too. So I, w- I would read it, but I would also have that minimum spend. But I, w- I would. I'm not against having a seven, eight million maximum and a, and a five million minimum. So no, you've got like in that band an eight million maximum and a seven point nine million minimum. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be very I'd say I, close. I wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, if you want, look, if you want to hold up. If you want to hold a million quid back for tactical reasons throughout the season, feel free to be my guest. If you want to bring in, you know, an ace back row for six months and spend all of your money on that to get you over the hill, yeah, yeah, it. bring in Mike Brown with ten weeks to go. We could pick, yeah. we could pick that up more on the domestic podcast as we talk yeah, about yeah. Premiership matters. But let's Fair move point. on to uh, Ireland, Scotland. Didn't see it, so can we talk about um, <laughs> uh, Wales, Italy instead? Um, we can do. I didn't see, see, see that see that eat, uh, see that either. <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 you are you are such a rugby hipster. Well, that you only care about the domestic you know game. I just don't care about rugby. Scot- <laughs> what, <laughs> Scotland <laughs> Island was so much fun. Tell me what is fun. I'll react to it. I don't even know the score. Some of the score first. So Scotland seven, Ireland twenty two in Murrayfield at half time. It was Scotland seven, seven Ireland eight, mm. and Scotland uh, and Ireland had two hooker injuries. And Gary Ringrose with a very concerning looking injury. Uh, and Caelan Doris got and, injured. And uh, Hendo. And Hendo. They were yeah. dropping like flies. Yeah. Four of that starting pack. But that, JB, this is something that you actually will be interested in. Is this to do with uh, a certain front rower? Uh, multiple front rowers. Please, do tell me. So Dan Sheehan goes off. Yep. Then uh, Ronan Kelleher, 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 uh, Kelleher comes on. Immediately after half time, first line out, Kelleher isn't throwing in. Uh oh. He's lined up in midfield. Uh oh. Van der Flee is throwing in. Yeah, I like, like this. Is this a. Like, no one knew. So, 
Sam Warburton's and John Barkley, your mate, um, I Tim. Love, I love him. Nice, nice moustache he's got as well. And left yeah. sweet wrappers in your coat once. He did leave sweet wrappers yeah. in my coat. <laughs> you guys are tight. I've got a man crush on that man. He's, he's <laughs> such a lovely bloke. So there, like, what is going on? Is this a tactic so they can use? But it, um, I could kind of understand it with Sheehan because he's a he's a good broken field runner, lining him up in midfield. But Kelleher less so. Um, anyway, next one comes. Next lineup comes. Same again. Kelleher stood in midfield. Um, Van der Fleer throws in. It's trying to work out, and then I I noticed it, but no one in comms mentioned this. Kelleher makes a tackle in midfield. He he could only use one arm. He was he had one shoulder down by his side, yeah. and he makes a tackle with one arm. Three minutes after this, he goes off. He can take no. Yeah, more. he 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 was he has not been watching Owen Farrell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> tackle <laughs> tackling videos. Um, tackle so, yeah. so then um, Keen Healy comes on. Keen Healy packs down at hooker. Good lad in the Good scrum. lad. Now Keen Healy, who's also recently moved to tight head, he's been playing. He's historically a loose head, playing a bit of tight head, and now he's a triple threat for yes. officially. And inter- uh, it might not have internationally played tight. Uh, hookers don't hook anymore, anyway, do they? No, the scrum half, they have the, to. Strike. The, no, the scrum halves throw it no, through the second row's legs. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah, got to pretend to strike. You're supposed yeah, to. They don't, yeah. though, do you've they? You've got to just crush your legs so and let it hit I, one of them. Do you know, like, scouts get badges? I, I think they should have. So Bath have badges, too, don't they? So Bath will put, like, um, a national, national flag. badge. Yeah. If you're a triple threat uh, uh, from there should be a world rugby sanctioned badge which you put underneath. I think <laughs> what that is, but it's like a triple, you've got to have. I think like gold shorts or oh yeah, oh, gold, gold socks or <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. Like that. I think where it's like magnificent. Um, and, oh, yeah. and also, your pay packet will reflect it. Yeah, well, Hall of Famers have gold coats, so I think not only should it be playing things, something they can wear around town. <laughs> um, so it went to those three packing down and. Unsurprised, sorry, it was um, Porter, Keen Healy, and Furlong who got replaced by uh, Tom O'Toole eventually, um, packing down in the scrum. And the scrum went well, as you might expect. Yep. And it was Josh van der Fleer throwing into the line out, which I think he missed two by my count, but he he must have, it was probably 80% success rate, yep. which was not bad. Right. Bear with me. Bear with me here. So, have you seen the NFL move? I say NFL, American football move, where they line up a they line up <laughs> a wide receiver who can throw a ball in the quarterback position. Yeah. They then line up the quarterback out wide, and the this is this is so brilliant, right? And then <laughs> is the that, is that where they do a lateral to the quarterback yeah, so the lateral, and then the law to and then uh, right, the quarterback? Yeah. yeah. So Kelleher is standing towards the back of the scrum. <laughs> he runs like a centre, and Van der Fleer fo- throws it over him. Kelleher catch- catches the ball. <laughs> then he turns round, and then he can throw, not straight, because it's no longer a line-out, to his line-out jumpers, who can then land and then maul. <laughs> Therefore, there's no not straight. That is brilliant. <laughs> but you can't you can't lift... Why? Um, in general play, can you yeah, lift? You, you lift. can lift from a kick. Lift from kicks... Can you lift in general play? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. 
It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Don't see why you can't, you can lift, you can't lift to defend penalties, but yeah, you can lift from kicks. Maybe. Maybe, maybe kicks yeah. it. Yeah, surely. Could, could you do it? <laughs> so you put, you put Johnny Sexton. Yeah, Johnny Sexton. You do on kickoffs, don't you? You do. Yeah, you can lift. So from presumably kicks. that's open play, isn't it? Yeah, that I is. don't know if there's anything conditional, but yeah, let's say yes. Yeah, Perfect. I like it, JB. I don't see any downside to that. This is Glenn Delaney level thinking. Well, uh, that's the, that. high, the highest praise I can give myself. So imagine, imagine the first time you rock this out. It's. Um, World Cup quarterfinal because that's as far as Ireland are going to go. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is because they've got to play France or New Zealand. But um, oh my god! They, my- so, so they're on the five meter line. They're attacking line out. They do exactly what you've des- just described. New Zealand are set up to a, hit a driving mall, but they just disintegrate. They just melt into the floor because of the the oh, shift the jb shift they, yeah they they actually it gets better right because they're ready to jack up their defensive jumpers the ball goes across over all their defensive jumpers ah, well game over Ronan uh, Kelleher gets, gets the ball, launches it back, back in. <laughs> What's to stop? Unopposed. Cause, cause you, unopposed, not straight. See, there, there must be a law about lifting an open play unless it's from a kick because otherwise, what's to stop you having the ball or, or catch it? So Ronan Kelleher not only catches the ball at the back of uh, over the top, he catches it whilst being lifted. And he's held up until he throws it to the next person who then gets lifted in another pod. <laughs> I don't think there's any reason why you can't Because you it. can't tackle that person well, that's wait, being lifted. It's, it's a fair point. The laws might not strictly uh, prohibit it. Well, don't do it now. I'll wait not been tested. Final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you got to do wait. it right now. Yes, exactly. The only problem is you can't make forward... You can't make any forward motion. You can only go backwards. Maybe this in is your what, pods of three. When Eddie Jones said he doesn't want to give away their tactics for the World Cup, this is what he had in mind. This is exactly <laughs> what he was talking about. It, do you know what? What I know we're having a laugh, but the, all those injuries you talked about. This is what makes this island team so special. Is that whether it was Finley Beelam and Co. and without Jameson Gibson Park in that first game against France, whether it's this game when four players go down, they have. And this this goes runs contrary to what I was saying about you know England have average players and, and all the rest of it and maybe it is more about the system and the, everyone being on the same mm. page because it doesn't you could put any one of the England players into that island system and they probably look great yeah because the, the, the system is so good and the with the number so of players good. that have been missing throughout this tournament yeah and they they still get the results that they've been getting and even in the game and even not only to have players dropping out and lose four of your starting pack. But then to have the total disruption of, well, you have got no hooker, but you can still scrummage and your lineup is still 80% effective. That is really, really impressive. It really is. 
Um, I was, I must say, I was a little bit disappointed with Scotland not trying to exploit the line out more. Yeah, and not kicking the corners more. Like Warburton was saying it in commentary. I was thinking it. I reckon anyone with get uh, it's it odds. Like just get it out. Get it. Yeah, because Scotland na- naturally, through. naturally, Scotland's game plan is to kick a fair bit, but to uh, well, or kick when they've got no option to run it, but to keep it in play. That's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what they do. But it just seemed like no, stick it out just and then grub a kick through out, put, and then get two jumpers up. Yeah, put pressure on the line out, and they didn't seem to yeah. do either as much anywhere near as much as they should have yeah, done. That was a shame. And I suppose it was disappointing from Scotland that they they didn't press on in the second half. But I think they were just they were they were just out out on their feet. And uh, yeah, that, I think that's to Ireland's credit. And I mm. I always thought, oh, Matt Hansen, he's, he's quite a handy player. He's all right. But I didn't think he was as good as he is. Well, I I probably one further to him. I actively disliked him because he usurped Robbie Balakoon. Well, yeah. Um, I thought he had a great game. I thought That's I thought two des- great games in a row. Deserved man of the match. He just makes things happen. When I've seen yeah. him play, he just makes them. He just looks like he's continuously lucky. Whoever, whoever in the Irish system, I think it might be Andy Friend at Connacht. Whoever got him over, like fair play. Yeah, mm. he's fair play. he's a good player, and he he doesn't he doesn't look because he's not no. a particularly big bloke. Um, he's quite tall and and lithe, but he, his distribution is good. His running is very good. He's great in the air. His take for, I can't remember which one of the tries, um, was fantastic. He scored one of his own, which was a tremendous finish with Duan pressing him into the corner. And he had a lovely little kind of show-go and then mm. give for the Jack Conan try, although Duan was at fault for that. Yeah. I don't know if you know what Duan jammed in yeah. when it was, a, yeah. it was two, two defenders on two. He would have been marking Jack Conan, and he's about the same size as Jack Conan, so he should be able to stop him. And he steps in, leaving Conan free to, yeah. to waltz into the corner. There was a lot, a lot of good performances. Porter played 80 minutes, was great. Peter Armani yeah. was brilliant. Peter Armani was brilliant. He was fantastic. He put a great hit in on, was it Kinghorn or Kyle Stain late on? Put a great hit down down the outside channel. Um, but he he was great all match. Yeah, James really Gibson Park when he came off the bench was probably the difference maker. So yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, here, here's a, here's a fact about next weekend, right? So Johnny Sexton could well win the Triple Crown, the Six Nations Championship, the Grand Slam, and become the greatest uh, highest point scorer yeah. in the Six Nations history in Dublin on St Patrick's Day weekend. Wow, that is cool. Very cool. cool. But that does mean that he's not going to win a fifth star for Leinster Correct. or a World Cup yeah. if he does that. So Correct. You've you got you your choice, trade, Johnny. You can trade it all for one of those other two things. Yeah, can't have it all, Johnny. Um, it's very cool. Very cool game. Yeah. What was I going to say then? Yeah, Scotland, a little bit disappointing with Scotland. They first half, they great. First half, they were... Um, did you see the did you see the meter stats at half time? I, I looked and went, that can't be right. It, it had Scotland for uh, first half only forty minutes. Scotland four hundred and twenty one meters, Ireland four hundred and fifty meters. Wow! Yeah, 
I'd be surprised if that was true because that that's, that's what it flashed up on the BBC stats. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, bear, I bear I in mind the BBC. Maybe they had some work experience <laughs> kid who'd never done never done it. Work before. experience kid who hates no. Gary Lineker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only person willing to to do it. Just on huh. so lineup throwing, people are making a big deal out of out of Keen, huh. Van der Fleer's lineup. Van der Fleer, because of, you know, of course it's beyond the pale. What was he? What was the skeleton that you and I were talking about upstairs, which was meant to be very hard? Oh, yeah, kick covering. Yeah. Kick covering. So throwing a ball into a line-out, I think covering positional play for a back three, for covering kicks, should be the two most easy things. In- oh, and I'll tell you another one which we should all know about. Um, England conceding a try when you could see it was going to happen because they don't know the laws in the in the... In the trial. yeah, there's no offside line when the, when it's when the ball's oh, on the try line. Could you see that? I, I could see that coming from yeah, mile off. yeah, hundred percent. I as soon as I couldn't so, believe it was in, it's like a slow motion car crash. Yeah, yeah. As soon as it's over the line, there's no offside line. Just, yeah, just tap it down. Now I do think that should not have been a try, and we actually saw this in the Ireland Scotland game. So the tackle was completed. Once the tackle's completed, oh, yeah. the, the tackler's got to let go of the... Yeah. The tackle's du- completed du- du- five, five metres from the try line. Dupont didn't let him go. Yeah. And that actually, because um, I can't remember who it was, but in the Ireland game, someone got dragged into touch from five metres yeah. out, which you, you see that all the time. Yeah. Tackle completed, you've got to let go. You keep dragging them into touch. It's a penalty against you. That's what it should have been in the England game. Yeah, uh, Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, yeah, back to the line-ups. Everyone's going wild about Van der Flair on Twitter. Just had a quick look now. There is no excuse to not be to not be able to throw a line out if you're a professional rugby player. No excuse. Um, no one's trying to tackle you. You're throwing it to the same place over and over again, and you throw it in your own time without moving, which are all the things you don't do when pa- passing and catching a ball. I understand your point, but then that's also like saying there's no excuse if you're a darts player not to hit treble 20 every time. All you've got to do I is hit treble 20. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that point. <laughs> I just I just can't see how they how they can't do it, and when they do do it, it's like oh my god, that that, that that's absolutely magical. It, you know, I think there should be at least three players in your squad that should be able to constantly <coughs> throw lineouts. Mm. I, I I think that's just sensible, and <laughs> yeah, obviously, I I, Ireland are with you, Andy Farrell and the Ireland team. They're they're with you. There you go. There you go. Um, and just from a just from a, uh, I mean, I I, I knew that I realised this when I was playing at. At Newbury and at Manchester, that I was a I was a flanker num- number eight blindside. But if I could occasionally play hooker, it got me more money because I sat on the bench exactly a right. lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I played prop. There was only four spots on the bench then, and I went, "All right, okay." So if I learn to play hooker, I'll get my match fee and I'll that's get it, mate. Yeah, that's appearances. it. Or play Key, play these games. Keen Healy, age whatever he is now, yeah. thirty four. He, he can extend his career by so Carl Ferns. Players. Carl Ferns practice prop. I, I have told him so many times now. You're very very strong. You should be playing prop. <laughs> Not having any of it. I was so in this game. I was a little bit disappointed with two Scotland players, Hog and Finn. Uh, Hog, I, I totally agree I with you on Hog. Hog is really really. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm a, out of form at the moment. I'm a big Hog fan as well. Certainly historically, Likewise. yeah, but. I don't think he's playing. He looks heavy well. to me. He is quite heavy. There's all that hair. Yeah, there's a lot of hair, isn't there? And those teeth. Mm. A lot of hair and a lot of teeth. Yeah, he's um, he's just not playing. Uh, I guess when you've set such high standards in the past, it will always be hard to maintain those standards. And I'm sure if he's just showing up on the scene now, we'd all be saying that it, that it was amazing. 
But compared to what he's done in the past, he doesn't look himself. Mm. I, I I agree with you. I, I think this is probably it's a bit like the Eddie uh, the conversation we were having. It's a bit like Owen Farrell actually. I would say now's not the time to to ditch him. Uh, wait till after the World Cup because he you just got to have uh, you you've got. I I would have enough faith in Stuart Hogg that he'll come right. Yeah, he'll come good. I. I think so too, but he's he's not playing particularly well, yeah, and he didn't he didn't play well in this game. And I, I I don't think Finn had a particularly good game. He had a few moments where he tried to force the pass, or he took too long with the ball and got kind of half tackled and ended up throwing a poor pass, or like his no look pass that just went a yard forward, that kind of thing. the the best The best moment of deception. Uh, passing from the Scotland team was the Tuipilotu to Hugh Jones deception with Finn Russell out the back as a foil for then a bit of a no-look pass from Tuipilotu to Jones. Yeah. That that was the best moment from a skill-based yeah. perspective. Tuipilotu has been great. He was brilliant again. Yeah, he's good. Henry, um, Henry, Hugh Jones, very, very good. Uh, I thought Duran was... <laughs> I've just the stats I've got in front of me is he made 85 meters with ball in hand and beat six defenders, but I still think he was kept quite quiet by that island defense. I'd, I'm surprised that his figures were that that great. Yeah. Um, and actually, I wanted to mention so good and bad tackling low. I know in the future when JB's a councilman, the whole world is going to be tackling low, tackling around 100 percent anatomical waste and below. Yes, allegedly. Um, so Duan was stopped three times by excellent low tackles. One by um, James Lowe and two by um, Hugo Keenan. One at each end of the field, actually. What the, his tackle five yards from his own line yeah. on Duan was brilliant. All going low. But then you have the ring rows on, yeah. on um, yeah. King Horn's hip. Now that's... He got his head in the wrong place, yeah. but head on hip in the same space yeah, I, was, I, I was I thought exactly the same thing I thought the uh, the the zealots on this tackle height thing are very quickly going look look over there don't, don't, don't pay attention to ring rows just look there's something else going on over there don't look yeah because yeah. that was a prime example yes yeah yeah and, and the good and bad and I, I am yeah. generally an advocate for yeah. tackling low yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I think it's, it's an incredibly effective way to do it but it's not without risk. Not without risk. Noth- uh, and nothing's without risk, I guess. So the risk is the reward. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, any any more from uh, Scotland Island at this point? No, disappointing to see Caelan Doris go off yeah. so early. Yeah. Um, I think probably all the other injuries they can manage, um, and Caelan Doris they can manage without him. But Jack Jack Conan was good. He was a couple of critics today. Yeah, scored a try. I mean, he's a lion starter from the most recent tour, so it's not that surprising. But I just think Caelan Doris has been in such good form. Yeah, he has. Um, but he's he's a, they're only going to play England next week. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, they'll put sixty points on England easy. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to the other game then? And I'll, I'll do so via this email actually because yes, we've, we've already mentioned Gary Lineker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm, I know where this is going. And this I can't wait to talk about this. It's uh, an email from um, Kevin. Thank you very much. Contact TedChasers at gmail.com. He says, lads, blah, blah, fan, blah, LTBP. Uh, What is Gareth Thomas doing on BBC, the Sinbin programme, but but Gary Lineker is off air? I think I know whose actions are more egregious, 
I'm disgusted. In fairness, the show is an embarrassment to rugby, so there is an argument that it's actually a fair casting call. Yes. No, I'm still disgusted. And then a minute later, he follows up with an email saying, oh God, he's on ITV. I can't wait for the pod. I need some balance. Yeah. Let's pull the string on the back of JB and go. Well, look, I, I'm kind of with Kevin. It's, it's a disgrace that this man is on TV. I said so a few weeks ago. And the only thing I can really think of is it is imperative for whoever runs these TV companies, it is imperative that no matter what crime has been committed, allegedly or, or otherwise, that we must see a gay man do the rugby. Doesn't matter. doesn't matter that this guy's been accused of some of the most he, um, heinous things that you can do, particularly in relation to the gay community, who he apparently is meant to represent so well. It's just the fact that he is who he is. He can get, get away with anything. And the message it sends is just awful. The guy is awful. I never thought he was particularly good at punditry anyway. But, you know, he was there because he provided balance and whatnot. And he does have an incredible rugby CV, regardless mm. of what his crimes are. Um, allegedly or otherwise. Um, he has no place on, on our screens. And what makes me so upset is just how insincere everybody in the media is. And everybody who is supposedly one of the good guys, one of the be kind crowd, all of these people, who've got nothing to say about it. This guy has ruined another man's life, and he did so by taking away not just... um, Well, how? He did it by taking away all the support structures that should be there to to support someone who was a victim of this kind of behaviour. So whether it be the Terence Higgins Trust, whether it be mobilising his celebrity friends, you know, if you want to talk about someone who is disadvantaged, talk about Gareth, Tom- to- Gareth Thomas's partner, who had the full weight of the media and everyone else sort of implicitly backing Gareth Thomas. And it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. I think if BBC pundits or other pundits refuse to go on air because Gary Lineker's not allowed on air, which, you know, more power, more, uh, more power to them, do what you need to do, how can you sit in studio with this guy? I mean, I got messaged today on Twitter by an ex-Welsh Welsh international asking me exactly the same thing. How on earth can this man be on TV? And the answer is, I think the broadcasters are so obsessed with the diversity agenda that no, it's like trolling us now. You must watch this gay man. You must watch him. Because if you, if you don't, you are a bigot. And... It doesn't matter what this guy is accused of or what this guy has even done. He he just must be there because of what his identity is, and I think it's up. And, you know, it's not just disgusting. You know, as we see it, it's actually demeaning to the the whole gay community, the whole gay community. So yeah, I I, I loathe the man. I loathe the man. He shouldn't be there. Just out of curiosity, the the former Welsh international that got in touch did they get in touch on a direct message or or because they didn't want to. But they, but they, because I'm just curious about how this works. Sometimes I can imagine yeah, there's a lot. Basically. I can imagine there's so many people that agree with you, yeah, to, to greater or lesser degrees. So they might may not have a strong opinion, but they may think, oh, that doesn't feel right. Mm. Uh, but they they are afraid to say so. Whereas it, it seems like there was no filter for anyone to to. Uh, and I'm not saying whether they should or shouldn't. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not putting a value judgment on this. I'm saying a lot of people felt very confident to come forward and say exactly how they felt oh, on, Gary, I mean, on Gary Lineker. They're okay to persecute, say, Israel Falau. I mean, that's fair game. He thought something wrong. He literally had the wrong thoughts, and that was dangerous. Whereas Gareth Thomas, by all accounts, is actually dangerous. But one of, one of them is allowed a career in rugby, and the other one isn't. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. Look at the treatment of Paddy Jackson. There are some people on... 
Twitter with huge platforms saying that they will donate money every time Paddy Jackson scores a point. They've written written huge Twitter threads about why Paddy Jackson should not be playing rugby. And I can agree with a lot of what they said, but I can't agree with them when they're so insincere and they have nothing to say about Gareth Thomas. And that's what gets me. Mm. It's the insincerity of the positions. They are completely and utterly morally bankrupt and insincere. And it's just disgusting to see. You know, it's a stain on the game that Gareth Thomas has anything to do with rugby at, at the moment. It is just important to say, and I, 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 I agree with the thrust of what you're saying completely, I just mm. think it's also fair so that no one can argue that... Um, no one can strawman us um, in any way to say that he wasn't found guilty of anything criminal. Nope. However, if you look at his statement that he had to make as part of the out-of-court settlement, it is shocking. It is very shocking. It is shocking. Yeah, there's yeah. no contrition there. He's never said sorry. He's never said anything. But just the the act that I think is like it's, it's known fact of uh, stripping the labels off the drugs that he was taking yes. in order to hide his he, condition. He knowingly hid his condition and then knowingly engaged in in whatever you know he he put his partner at risk knowingly uh, however there was no li- there was no liability in the but there was an out of court settlement but that that strikes me as no different to Paddy Jackson as you say who was not found guilty of anything but the message no is different to Prince Andrew but the message is yeah <laughs> it's no different quite, it's exactly the same quite and so I, th- I this is what that's why, that's why I asked about the yeah. former Welsh international because I just I, yeah, he, m- my imagination is uh, what I'm imagining is he has a just as strong opinion as you but is afraid to say so. Yeah, he Gareth Thomas has gone after journalists. He's gone after people who have accused him of stuff. He's gone after everyone he possibly can to silence them and ruin their lives. And he does so using um, the weapons of you know, bigotry and homophobia and look at the mental um, look at the mental anguish you've caused me. But no consideration at all. The mental language that he might have caused might, might have caused others, and everyone who is, you know, on the social justice side of the rug, um, of, of, of the rugby world, I often think their contributions are actually very valuable. Having nothing to say about it is absolutely horrendous, and so, they should be called out for it. And just to be clear, would you like Israel Flau, Paddy Jackson, and Gareth Thomas to be treated the same? Whether that's they all are allowed fair game, you've you've, uh, or, yeah. or would you like them all to be? To be fair. Because you, you can't kind of sit in both camps. If, if all things are equal, all things are equal, all three can work in my world. All three can work. Now, Israel Falau can work whatever. He just said some nasty things. He is allowed to work, and what do they call it? It's being consequenced. Well, he, he posted a meme that was... He posted some nasty words. He posted a meme that was And apparently that was that's, that's words, horrendously yeah. dangerous. Horrendously da- dangerous. So dangerous that he can't possibly ever play again, and he needs his contract terminated, and he needs online services removed from him, and he can't be platformed, and this, that, and the other. Paddy Jackson and Israel Falau, they do deserve equal treatment. Equal treatment. Now, if Gareth Thomas gets fired from his current posts and gets another job... I don't really have a huge issue with that. I will never like or respect like or respect Gareth Thomas. I don't even think he's good at his job. The only difference I find between Gareth Thomas and Paddy Jackson really is that Paddy Jackson's really good at his job, and that's basically about it. Mm. But yeah, they, they they should both be both be able to work, and people can have their own opinion on on, on them both. But to have one opinion on one and another on another, no, thank you. In fact, I know, I'd go one further. I actually think Gareth Thomas's crimes are far worse. Far, far worse. Yeah. I, I can't help but think they are... It is worse. Like, yeah. Paddy, like, Paddy Jackson, like, 
it we we spoke about this at length at the time. It was very bad, but I don't yeah. think it is as bad. No, I, I really don't think it is as bad. And the, the reason is it's not the end crime. You can't just you know compare end crimes. It's like comparing what's the worst type of cancer. I mean, it's just yeah, they're yeah. both bad. But what gets me is the lack of apology, the cover-up, the utilization of powerful friends, the corruption of um, aid um, AIDS charities. Like the, the, the Terence Higgins Trust should just shut down. It's absolutely worthless. It's, it's an interesting the hypocrisy. It's, yeah, the hypocrisy is incredible. It is an interesting point though that um, <laughs> Israel Folau and uh, Paddy Jackson are good at their current jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, Gareth Thomas was good at his former job. He's not particularly good at his current job. He's no. he's only there for points that you've already made, JB. Oh, he's, oh. he's there completely on merit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that. Um, I don't know about that. But when um, when Paddy Jackson and Israel Folau get to the end of their careers and they would be considering moving into jobs that they may or may not be any good at, they will not be doing that. They will not. They, they, will, have no, they will have zero opportunity to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. I mean, we've seen an- another player this, uh, this week, Chris Farrell, who's moved from Munster over to Oyana. Mm. I think here's an active case against him in France, I believe. Um, you know, that's kind of how I expect um, Gareth Thomas Just. to be treated, really. Mm. You know, yeah, he, he was would, he was he was never stood down. That would make sense. Yep. Ne- it's just a, it's just like the two two tier two tier treatment and the hypocrisy. But I can't overemphasize enough how disgusted I am. With the lack of noise from people on people on Twitter with a platform who are so vocally defensive, it's not vocally defensive. They're so absent in this argument. But what? Because it's absence. There's obviously been this big thing recently, and you, you mentioned it before about people taking a stand for Gary Lineker um, and refusing to go on screen as a consequence of Gary Lineker being deep. Um, suspended or whatever it was by the BBC stepped down by the BBC um, but no one's taking the stance on this no one's taking no, no, not even mentioning it so can you imagine Paddy Jackson showing up in a studio yeah. there'd be editorials there'd be the problem with rugby is but what that, but what that I, I'm just trying to think this through my head but Gary Lineker being um, suspended is worse than what Gareth Thomas do you, played through. Do you think, yeah. do you think Gabby they, Logan, for example, just picking a name at random, do you think she knows what... what uh, do you think she's read the, the, his statement about what he did? Yeah, you, she you must yeah. do. You she can't must have done. Know this. Yeah. Everybody knows this. Because she's in, she's in ruby circles as well as a consequence of her husband. But, but, then, I, but then I can... I, as well as working but, within yeah, the ruby I mean, circles. I can talk about this, because if, if ITV called up and said, Tim, we need you on next week's game... Um, you're part of a team including Gareth Thomas. I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I'm gonna yeah. say, so, I'm also not a big fan of targeting people that work with other people. So I think, so, you know, so, but, so I think, you know. so I think the point here is not Gareth Thomas shouldn't be on. It's that there should be consistency about how people are treated. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. The yeah. inconsistency is maddening. Yes. It's maddening. Basically, you can commit any crime you want if you're a cer- certain identity. Feel free, go wild, and it's it's just. It just stinks. It just stinks. It's more important that you see a gay man on TV than that yeah. gay man actually. I'm, I'm bringing well. this back to to rugby. This is um, this is because this is e- even more thrown into focus because of rugby values. Like again, when you go to every mm. rugby club in the land, there's certain 
codes of conduct, expectations of behaviour, and and. Uh, but but again, uh, I just uh, I think that's the important. I, I, no, I think yeah. I ended on the right point. We're not. You're not saying, and I'm not saying, and nobody's saying. Gareth Thomas shouldn't be allowed to work. It's the. It's the fact that yeah. well, it's, it's the silence from people yeah. who have prevented other people from working. Hypocrisy and differing standards. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and it just makes everything that Rebby do, do, or Rebby does, it just makes it look so hollow. So we started. You know, we kicked off the game against France. And the cameras pan to some nonsense bloody campaign about you know, rugby against racism. Or next day it's rainbow laces this. Or you know um, what was it? What was the other thing the other day they were celebrating? International Women's Day. Yeah, yada yada yada. Yeah. When it comes to it, when they actually need to uphold some standards, it's very easy to throw someone under the bus who is un- who is unpopular, or shall I say has an unpopular identity. But when it comes to it, they don't want to do anything about Gareth Thomas. No one says a word. Just you know, just everyone crack on. Everyone just ignore it. The quote in The Guardian was the best, which is, it is unfortunate that Gareth Thomas finds himself in this position, as if, you know, he's done nothing wrong, it's just an accident. It was not. It was not, and we should do, do well to remember and, that. And again, read, if, if you want to, if you don't understand what we're talking about, read Gareth Thomas's own statement in the non-liability uh, out-of-court settlement. Anyway, yeah. uh, as, as for the rugby itself, uh, Wales are back. Ish, what? yes, kinda, a little yeah. bit. Semi, like a bonus point win. So yeah, uh, not to be sniffed at. Twenty nine seventeen away in Rome. Um, it wasn't. So, I was very frustrated at Italy in this first half for a couple of reasons. One, why did no one tackle Liam Williams? Five yeah. five missed tackles for that for yeah. that try. Um, the the other tries you can kind of forgive them. Rio Dow was a lucky bounce. The penalty try, things like that happen. Uh, and Falatau was a nice break and offload. Liam Williams, that should have been stopped. And on the flip side, there's two Italy tries. Uh, well, Italy non-tries in that first half because they didn't score in that first half. But they blew two tries. There was a pass down the right wing. Uh, lovely, I think it was a line-out move. Just, the final pass with a two-on-one just went straight into touch. Yeah, and then what would have been one of the tries of the season, where Brex drops it over the line, uh, was it Canone, the younger Lorenzo? Um, yeah, yeah, should have given it yep. five seconds earlier, held on too long, and then it was a kind of forced pass with too many defenders around. So that you t- <laughs> should have, would have, could have, but you take out the Liam Williams try and you had two Italian tries in. The second half is a totally, totally different game. It's irrelevant because, as it was, it was already over by half-time. Mm-hmm. Wales had already basically won, and Italy were then just playing for a bit of pride. Yeah. Um, which is kind of business as usual for Italy. They've got to shift from that, making those kind of mistakes and uh, playing gallantly for a bit of pride towards the end of the game and not making those mistakes and actually being in it to win it. Agreed. Um, a bold Taolupe Falatao I loved. Yeah. Just, just pure aesthetics I'm talking now. But he had a good game as well. He had a good game as well. Uh, in fact, uh, so I was looking at the Wales selection by Warren Gatlin going, what on earth is he playing at? It's just seemed bizarre. And like, so Chris Chuns is playing well. He's not in the 23. Yeah, uh, totally dropped. Jack, Jack Morgan was completely dropped. Now he's back starting. Yeah. It just seemed schizophrenic. And I was like, oh, what, what are you doing here? I have to say, 
uh, some of the big players, Justin Tipperick, Liam Williams, uh, Talupe Falatel, Reese Webb. Yeah, Reese Webb was some an of those experienced players look look good. Yeah, Reese Webb um, especially. And I've got to say, I do like the centre partnership. It needs a bit more time, but Hawkins and Grady. Mm-hmm. And do you think we could be going in? JB is a Welshman and a massive Dan Bigger fan. Huge Dan Bigger fan. Do you think we could be going into a World Cup with Dan Bigger basically as bench fodder? Owen Williams is a fascinating choice. Mm. I mean, he, he, for the longest time, made no mark on the Welsh team whatsoever. Well, yeah, yeah. Outside of playing 12. I think he played two cups at 12. Yeah. And I thought his career was basically over. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, at Tigers, I thought he was good. But I think even people at Tigers would tell you he was second best um, to Freddie Burns. He doesn't have the natural skills of Freddie Burns, but what he does have in abundance is authority on the field. Allegedly, he's a very, very good talker. Mm. Um, this appears to Japan. Don't hear, hear from him. Shows up back at Worcester. Good when he played for Worcester, but was never in, was like, was never fit. Yeah, yeah. In fact, did he not come down with an Achilles injury, which is an utter nightmare? But he's found some form and more power to him. Yeah. Found some form for Ospreys and he find, finds himself in the number one shirt or the number ten shirt. So do yeah. Ospreys have Williams and Anscombe? Anscombe's not been playing he's as not he been he's, fit. He's what a horrible, horrible uh, few years he has had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by the way, what in terms of like unavailable fly halves, Ospreys couldn't have done better, much better than Williams and <laughs> Williams and Anscombe. Oh, M- Myler. Is, is, is Myler still there? He was there, and then they brought in Williams, and he usurped him. Where's Myler now? I think he's still is, there. Oh, is he? Right. He was like he was Ainscombe's understudy, but then they sort of thought, actually, I reckon we need someone a little better. Owen Williams has not got a job. Let's get, snap him up. Yeah. In well, he wants of, to play for Wales. He's got to play in Wales, hasn't he? So, in terms of injury-prone fly halves, they're two great ones. Hang on a minute. What would Wales be doing now? I mean, I guess they'd just play bigger, wouldn't they? But they obviously like Williams because mm. he's played two games in a row. They like Jared Evans as well. They, they've never played him, though. No, they've never played him. But So, never played Jar- Jared Evans. Anse comes injured. For whatever reason it is, Bigger's not in favour, although Bigger is a world-class operator and they'll be fine with him. So you've got this guy... So what would have happened if Worcester hadn't, hadn't got, gone under? Because that's the reason he's there. Yeah, yeah. They, they couldn't have played him otherwise. They would have yeah, just right. been bigger. Because he, he, he doesn't have 25 caps. Or... Oh, good point. What does he need now? 25, is it? See, that's what Dan Bigger should have looked at the long term and just used his Toulon money to prop up Worcester for a few months more. <laughs> <laughs> just till the yeah. World Cup. <laughs> what was he thinking? But no, but no, he didn't. Uh, I, I will say on, on, on Italy, it's, it looks, it's exciting to watch. It looks slightly naive. Well, I don't know. They They attack from everywhere, from deep everywhere. And when they get caught and turned over, they just get... They, they they self-implode, unfortunately. It's mm. kind of a very high-risk high risk strategy. They got to the outside all afternoon. Mm. They just carved Wales up. But, of course, on, well, like, like you say, exactly like you were talking about with the 1 in 20 kicking strategy, that on the 1 out of 20 it'll work. It's like Italy... Yeah, yeah. Run it 20 times. Run it 20 times. But, but when you do get turned over, it's a penalty three points. It's... Turnover and momentum shift. Yeah, Wales yeah. go and score. So you, and give, you only get the one try in twenty. Yeah, you give five point scoring opportunities away to the opposition, but one point scoring opportunity for yeah. you. I so don't it, like those odds. It feels a little bit like uh, Bristol before they rebalance their game and then finish top of the Premiership when they slightly 
tweaked it a little bit when when the first year they came in the Premiership and it was just like it was amazingly fun to watch. Did yeah. Owen Williams but play, it was bonkers. Did Owen Williams play the whole game? Uh, yeah, I think so. I can't remember. They didn't have a. They didn't have a ten on. Who? Oh no, they didn't have a ten. No, on that's right. Ten on the bench. No Haw- so Joe yeah. Hawkins would have stepped in. Would have stepped I think. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he did. Uh. It's like France didn't have a ten on the bench, but but they had Thibaut Flamont, the former Loughborough fifteen <laughs> fly half. They could have stepped in there. <laughs> I don't know if the commentary team mentioned that, but they usually do. Uh, so who have got next? I can't recall it. I was. Uh, uh, Italy, Italy have Scotland. Scotland. Mm, maybe they'll win that. I'm not going to say they're improving. We say that every year. They, it does genuinely a, feel it, but yeah, this is a better incarnation it. of this Italy team. But they're going to finish with the wooden spoon, yes, and potentially nil point. Yeah, or have they got one point? They might have got one point. Yes. Next yeah. week's fixtures. Unless there's anything else to go off. No, um, let me think. Uh, so Ireland will win, France will win, and Scotland will win. Any different? Three home wins. Uh, yeah. I cannot disagree with that. Yeah, and the, the Super Saturday's taken on a slightly less exciting complexion. All around, really. Well, the- because, because we're not holding out a lot of hope of England beating Ireland. Yeah, that is the... That's the crux. It, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. In any shape or form if England do beat Ireland uh, let's just have a quick look at this well Ireland didn't get, didn't get the bonus point they were yeah. they were threatening but they didn't get the bonus point so that's opened things up for France if, yeah. if the very unlikely event so let's just talk about this where are you boys watching Super Saturday on Saturday so well, uh, well I don't know has, it, has this changed now I mean, no? no, we're still watching JB's last game of Rugby Union. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, brilliant. Now, apparently it's not my last game because we're going to play some cup, but the RFU have not confirmed what the cup structure is. Or indeed what the tackle height is. Or what the tackle height is. Or, so, I also, I don't want to play any cups. I'm, I'm done. So, yeah, Your last it, game of competitive league rugby. Unless the laws are rescinded or don't come into force for next year. Yeah, that is it. Done. So quite we'll, frankly, I can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> so we'll we'll be at Didsbury Tock H, and yeah, watching the games there. So you, have you got a kickoff time at Tock? Well, I'll tell you on the next podcast. Oh, domestic! You little tease, indeed. But yeah, we'll, we'll be watching as much as we can based on Didsbury Tock H's kickoff time. And I thought I might do. Uh, I'll be doing a little YouTube video for each of the games. I thought I might do one for Tock H as well in oh, in, nice. in that same style. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's going to be three home wins, and it's going to be not as exciting a Super Saturday as previous ones have been. Yes, I think. Although, if just just because of the sequence, it's Ireland <laughs> England last, isn't it? Yes. So let's just. Is it one. It's twelve thirty. Yeah. Uh, quarter to three, and then five o'clock. Yeah. Now, if France get a big bonus point win. So get the bonus point, and so they've got a twenty points difference. Um, points difference difference to catch up. Um, so if they get a forty point win, say against Wales, which is not impossible, no, nope. it will put a bit of pressure on Ireland because Ireland then know they've got a they've got a win. On if they don't win, um, then they've got to get the bonus point and then protect that 
uh, if it's getting tight, they've got to protect that points difference as well. Ireland are going to have to be going deep in their squad in some positions. I Hooker. think they can do it. Yeah, Hooker, I, th- I think they Robbie, can. Robbie Herring should be back um, available. And is it, who's, the, who's the lad, the other one? I was thinking it was Scannell, but uh, there's... No, not Not, o- not, not Cronin. Um, oh, well, there's a young lad up at Ulster, yeah, uh, Stuart think... Moore, who's, his, yeah. his try-scoring rate is amazing. He's, he's a handy player. He's maybe may a bit young, but... Um, Get the kids in, as we yeah, always, as we, as we uh, always, always, always say. say get yeah. the kids in. Rightly so. Always get all of the kids uh, in. And, all the time. and briefly, what changes? You're, you're, okay, you're Steve Borthwick now. I'm handing you the England team selection. Ins, outs. Faz in. Slade out. But then you've got to take, put someone in. No, we're going to have to keep Slade in, unless you're going to go Ford and Faz together. Uh. Laws in if he's fit, probably to come into the back row. For uh, Ludlam, not, Laws- for, not for Don Brandt. Maybe for Don Brandt. Yeah, everybody stays the same. Don Brandt out. Laws in. Tom Curry fit yet? Don't no. think so. No. Ben is though. If you want a Curry, <sighs> Ludlam goes to eight. Keep everything the same. Ludlam to eight and Laws in if fit. I would go along yeah, with that. Yeah, I could see that. I'm going to keep uh, Mitchell. St- uh, yeah, Mitch. Uh, no, oh, put, no, not against Ireland. Tr- trust, no. trust Van Port. Mitchell, Mitchell comes off the bench. I don't mind. Yeah, that. I, I would start Farrell at ten. Start Faz, and then I'm also going to start Arundel instead of Watson. Yeah, go on. I'm with you. Stuart well, did well, well, actually. Stuart, Stuart had a good game. Stuart did mm. all right. He's one of the few bright spots. An interesting point was made to me though, in that when you think of England's 2019 team. So I'm not, they didn't win a World Cup, so it's not, you know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's the be all and end all. But you had Watson, you had Daly, and who was the other winger? Who was the other winger in 2019? Daly was uh, May, May. May. Of course, it was yeah, May. So you May had, on one you leg had, you, for the you, final. You had a world class May, you had a world, you know, a, approaching world class Watson, and you had Daly, who was, you had three like rapid players. Yeah. Rapid back three. And Stewart does totally change the dynamic He's of England's whole back mm. line. Suddenly, I, I think part of the reason maybe why Far- some people appear to have a problem with Farrell is when you have Stewart in the back line, you lose you lose the pace, pace so in two da- yeah, pace in two, two, places. Da- two places. Yeah, that's a very good point because Stewart is he is very good in the air, but it, that is the only area where he's approaching world class. Other than tell me what his short range carries. Yeah, it, other than his size. Yeah, but he's a crash ball fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's do you not, want, do so, you want Butch James so playing fifteen? That's not to knock it, and he is he, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's not to knock him because he, he is great, and um, but it's just the 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 blend of the whole. Yeah, and I I think too much is made of his aerial ability. I agree. As, as in, I, think, I completely agree with that. I think his aerial ability is very very good, but it's not. Is it that much ahead of alternatives to? Overlook his shortcomings. I'm not so sure. And he he did have a very good. He was maybe England's best player on the weekend. Yeah, but so yeah, so, I'm still so, not. I'm not convinced. But other people are saying it should be his shirt for ten years plus. Yeah. So I'm not saying it shouldn't be his shirt. But uh, in the same way as Steve Borthwick went, well, we need to approach teams and, and pick specific team 
and a game plan for a specific opponent, which is why yep. he changed Marcus Smith for Owen Farrell. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's also a reason why I'm going, should we maybe Arundel at 15? Oh, now you're talking. And, and actually just go, well, let's let's have a crack. Yeah. Let, let's go. And that, oh, so I would go, uh, there you go, Farrell 10, yeah. Arundel 15. Yeah. So then you've got, you've got a conductor and you've got his rapid orchestra around him. Definitely want Arundel on the pitch. Yeah, I could go with that. I did think it was interesting. I bought Borthwick in his pre-match press conference because his post-match press conference was a we're on a journey, tough affair. But his pre-match one, the, basically, it was twenty flavors of the question: Why have you dropped Faz and why are you starting Marcus Smith? And he just repeated the same thing every single time. We pick a squad. For the team, the plant game, how are we going to play? Think about it very seriously. Think about it. The opponent's going to play. Seriously, who are we going to play? And he just... Gary, they need some better questions. I do wonder with journalists what the idea is there. If one person's asked asked it, why are they asking... You probably learn more by asking about the rugby because that's when he'll give away a nugget of exactly why he's thinking what... If you ask him directly, why you drop one for the other? Um, He won't tell you. But once you start getting into... No, what's your attacking game plan? How are you going to manipulate or this? Or even you go, uh, you know, um, Marcus Smith at Twickenham was incredible with his elusive running, and is that what you're hoping to replicate? Yeah, anything. How much of how he plays at Harlequins are you looking to map onto how he plays for England? That might be another. Like approach. they've got so much time with the head coach to ask a variety of questions, and you just learn so much more about the game. You learn so much more. I will say, Steve Borthwick does, is incredibly straight-batted, and I quite right. like that, but I quite like that you know, about him. I have asked Steve Borthwick questions in press conferences, and, they've been, and they have been genuine rugby questions. Yeah. He's given me genuine rugby answers. So if you're looking to create a headline, you're not going to get it. Yeah. So it's your job. Agreed. I do think there's a lack of rugby intellect with some of the people that are... Doing the questioning, I do, I I totally not agree. all of them by the way. No, 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 some no. excellent ones. No, out no, there. I totally agree. I totally agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. Um, but I, I I've been the person holding the microphone, and what what you are considering is you're trying to tell the story in, mm. in a in a big picture. You're you're trying to tell a story, and you've got in mind who your audience is. Yeah, and at Six Nations weekend. Your audience is casual rugby fans mm. who are, who are the, dipping in. If the question's already been asked, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Totally agree with you. Yeah. And also, do you know, maybe if we talk, maybe if we treated the audience less stupidly. Yeah, that's a fair point as well. Yeah. Like, still, the best bit of content I've seen in years. That's a great. That's a really good point. Was Roberts and O'Driscoll running through real complex? I mean, it's not complex to them. It's complex to me, and I've played yeah. for twenty years. Yeah. Now, if I find that complex and fascinating, I think loads of people go... Because that's what... They want to see experts being experts. They don't want to be treated like kids. So if you get that kind of content and that kind of detail, I think they'd be happy to provide you with that. JB, we've all had enough of experts. Actually, that's a great point. That is a great point. Yeah. And by the way, always remember, expert is a relative term. <laughs> right, so if you want to uh, hear about uh, Super Saturday at Digby Talk H then um, check out our other podcast, which is about the domestic and grassroots matters, which is in your feed, which is why you need to hit subscribe, and you can support us at patreon.com slash eggchasers. Let the boys play. Let boys play. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.